This is the Word of God from the household of David Church. It is a message designed to raise men after God's own heart. Listen and be blessed. Hallelujah. You know, I have a word from God that I want to share with you this evening. Um, I've titled it, A Bias for Action. A Bias for Action. You know, um, psychologically, there is a phenomenon called action bias. And it means that um, tendency to always favor acting rather than not doing anything at all. Amen. So let's read from Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to be reading the words of Jesus. You know, Jesus was very eloquent when he spoke. As a matter of fact, Jesus' words were so weighty that when people heard him in a particular portion of the Bible, they said, ah, what wisdom is this? I mean, they had never heard anyone speak like Jesus was speaking. In the book of Luke, the Bible tells us about while Jesus was growing up, he was about 12 years old there, then. The Bible says he was, you know, they all came to worship and they, his family had gone. But Jesus was sitting down with the doctors of the law. And the Bible says he was debating, both hearing them and asking them questions. And the doctors of the law were amazed. That 12-year-old, you know, I remember... <laughs> I remember some years back, I think I was about 10 years old then, 10, and um, um, we had this quiz competition, Bible quiz competition, and I think the focus was on the book of Matthew. Um, at that time, I was attending a particular church where my parents used to go to, and um, you know, you would, they would make you cram the Bible, so we crammed the book of Matthew, then they would ask you different questions you know, from the book of Matthew. And um, people would, you would go into something like a test. So you write that test, you know, answering the questions. And I think I was about 10, 11 at that time. And um, I came third, you know, in the entire area. And the area was comprised of um, all the northern states in Nigeria. So I was number three. The person who came first was in the university. The person who came second was also in the university. So I was third. <laughs> and I was in primary school. <laughs> so I remember um, when we went for the convention and they were presenting the gift. You know, they called the first person, so, 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 Jem, well, I think that was the Sunday morning, the lady. She came forward, the, you know, the pastor sh sh shook hands with her, gave her the gift, and she left. Second person came, you know, shook hands. So when they called, um, and third position, Joshua, Deborah, so you know the pastor, you know it's not this type of lectern, right? All those wooden lecterns that are so big, so I was coming, I just was small boy, just came, at that time I had this punk, you know, don't ask what happened, so, <laughs> so I was coming, so the man, you know, had got into the front of the man, I was stretching, <laughs> so... He was looking at said, Joshua, Deborah, where is he? They said, no, he's in front. They said, oh, you. <laughs> the 
and he gave me, he was so surprised. <laughs> and he gave me an extra gift because he was, he was amazed. Hallelujah. Okay. So he was so amazed, he gave me an extra gift. Amen. All right. So, um, I mean, just reminded me of Jesus, right? So Jesus was extremely eloquent. Spoke in a way no man ever spoke. Now, if you have a Bible, um, some Bibles like mine, some Bibles, the words of Jesus are painted in red, isn't it? Um, there must be a reason why they must have done that. So that when you're reading, when you get to those portions, especially if you have that kind of Bible, pay more attention because these are the words of the Savior. Amen. Whatever the Savior defines something as, must be what it is not what people have defined it as is that okay all right now do you agree with what i just said are you sure you agree because i'm about to show you something so i will need you to agree first <laughs> do you agree you agree that whatever jesus defines something as is what it is isn't it you agree are you sure okay good so since you agree Matthew chapter 7. Now, Jesus one day was speaking to people, and as he was speaking, he felt a prompting to begin to define wisdom and foolishness. Then Jesus said, verses 24 of Matthew 7, he says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not. Why? For it was founded upon a rock. Jesus said, my definition of a wise person is the person who builds his or her life on the words that I speak. So I say something, the person does not only hear them, but the person goes out to what? To do it, isn't it? Jesus says, this is the definition of wisdom. So forget about every other definition you've heard. A wise person to Jesus is a person who hears what Jesus says and does it. Then Jesus goes further. Verse 26, he says, And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a what? Come on, talk to me. I mean, you all agree that how Jesus defines a thing is what it is, isn't it? So this is Jesus defining foolishness. <laughs> he says, A foolish man is the one that hears but does not do. He says, This person built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house. And of course, we know what would happen. And it fell, and great was the fall of it. So Jesus said, both the wise and the foolish person both heard the word. What differentiated the person who Jesus termed as wise and the person Jesus termed as foolish was that after they heard the word, the wise people did what? They acted on the word. The people he defined as foolish did what? Did not nothing. They didn't act on the word. Praise God. 
Amen. Now, this is Jesus defining and telling us that the results that we see and experience in life are not only a product of us hearing his word, but also, very importantly, us doing his word. The action is as important as the hearing. I have discovered that the economy of any nation, the life of any individual, the cost of any family, is not necessarily defined by the things they know or hear, but defined by the things they do. So, if a person wants to change the outcomes of their lives, it is not enough to hear God's word. You must go a step further to do God's word. And I want to show you something very quickly. Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12 from verses 1 to 4. Okay, so let me use, let me use your stuff. Now, talking about Father Abraham, the Bible says, Now the Lord... I want us to read that word together. One, two, let's go. The Lord, what? Had said. When I say to you, I, somebody had said, what does that connote? What does that tell us? It's in the past, isn't it? So this person didn't just tell the other person about what they are saying now. But they've told them a long time ago. The Lord had said unto Abraham, we do not know when the Lord said to Abraham, but what the Lord had said was get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. Verse 2. He says, I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and I will make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. Verse 3. And I will bless them that bless thee. Curse him that cursed thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Can we read this in the Amplified Version? I, I want to show us something. Amplified. The Amplified Version says, And I will bless, do good for, benefit those who bless you. I will curse, that is subject to my wrath and judgment, the one who curses, despises, dishonors, and has contempt for you. And in you, all the families, nations of the earth will be blessed. Go back to verse 2. He says, and I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you abundantly. And make your name great, exalted, distinguished. And you shall be a blessing, a source of great good to others. Now go to verse 4. Now, God had told Abraham this. But what was the condition for all of these things happening? He should do what? He should leave his father's house. You see, after God said, Abraham must have been trusting God that God, you said you will make my name great. And God is looking at him and God said, you know, <laughs> what I told you is predicated on you doing something. Living. If you do not leave, all of these great promises would remain hanging. So verse 4. So Abraham did what? Departed in faithful obedience as the Lord had directed him. And Lot went with him, and Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. We do not know when God told Abraham. But until Abraham departed, all that God had told him 
did not begin to materialize. So you read in verse 13, verse 2, the Bible says that Abraham became very rich in cattle. Genesis 13, 2, Abraham became very rich in cattle. If Abraham never departed, he would never become extremely rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. He departed. Now, 2 Kings chapter 7. I want to show you something else from there. 2 Kings chapter 7 from verses 1. It's a very popular story that you know. The Bible says, Then Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Now there was famine in the land. Now Elisha, who was the chief prophet at that time, began to speak. And he says, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel, two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Verse 2. And the Lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord will make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shall not eat thereof. Now you must understand. I always say, there are no meaningless details in the Bible. You know that. There is a reason why there are certain emphasis placed on certain things in the Bible. Now, why did the Bible go to the extent of telling us the Lord on whose hand the king leaned? You know, those that are in the corridors of power, they hear everything happening. All of the conversations. You want to know about the state of the economy? Talk to those in the corridors of power. They can tell you the true situations of things, not what you are reading in the news. They will tell you because they sit around the king. This is the person who carries the king. So as the senators are talking to the king, he's hearing. I say, ah! You mean we are done? We are finished? Okay. <laughs> He's carrying the king. He's hearing everything. And that was why this man said what he said. Because when Elisha was prophesying, this man said, hey, with what I know, <laughs> with everything I have heard, said the only way what he are saying would happen is if the Lord make windows in heaven, then food and everything pause. says, but with what I know, it is absolutely impossible. Now, verse 3, the Bible says, And there were four leprous men at the entering in of the gate. And they said one to another, Why sit here until we die? Now, until the word came, these men were not thinking this way. They were just sitting at the gate. But immediately the word of God went forth. All of a sudden, an idea dropped in their heart. Say, why are we sitting here till we die? Verse 4, they said, If we enter into the city, there is famine in the city. We will die. If we go forward, he said, well, the host of the Syrians are waiting to kill us. He says, well, the other thing is that they might even save us and not even kill us. So, you know, let's take the risk. Verse 5. The Bible says, and they rose up in the twilight to go onto the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the utmost parts of the camp of, the, of Syria, behold, there was no man there. Verse 6 tells us what happened. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lord, the king of Israel had hired against us the king of the Hittites and the king of Egypt Egyptians to come upon us. Verse 7 tells us, and all of them fled and left food, left everything. And so the leprous men just walked in and saw food and everything and said, ah, 
and they started to eat if you read the rest of the story and they now told themselves you know this thing is not fair what we are doing you know let's go back and tell them and they went back to the city told the people in the city the people in the city came forward and saw abundance outside you know the syria number one who goes to war and i know pastor has told us this before who goes to war carrying food stuff carrying all of this the gold gold people don't go to war carrying those things <laughs> plenty enough to make a nation prosperous and move a nation from poverty to riches. It doesn't happen normally. But you see, God, in his infinite wisdom, had arranged that, you see, as the Syrians were going to war, they thought they were going to fight. They didn't know they were going to supply these Israelites everything they needed to move them out of poverty. And when they got there, they encamped. And then the word came forth. But four leprous men, four leprous men began to act. They took steps. And God used their steps to rescue Israel. It was their steps that God amplified. And the people, the Syrians, heard noises of chariots and all of that. Think about it. Uh, uh, how, how much sound would four leprous men make when they are moving? They are leprous. Do you know what leprosy is? Their feet and hands are not even complete. So how much, I, I don't know how slowly they would have been moving. <laughs> Maybe they dragged their feet. We don't know. But all God needed was action on their path. And God said, I have enough. And God amplified their steps. And he changed the entire game. A nation moved. Some of you look at Nigeria and say, can Nigeria ever be saved? You see, yes, go out, vote. I mean, Saturday's the election. Vote, do what you're supposed to do. That is what we believe in. But you know the truth? You see, what rescues a nation is beyond an election. It is the actions of the people. Election, vo voting is one of the actions. <laughs> there are other actions. Ah, haven't you heard of stories where a good man is elected to office and a demon possesses this man? And he begins to do diametrically opposed, opposite of everything he has told you he would do. Haven't you heard of places like that? I've read stories of nations. So it's beyond that. The different actions. A bias for action. Now, why have I told us all these stories? I've told us to let us know that this year has been declared by God's servant, by the anointing of God's spirit, that this is our year of what? Talk to me. This is our year of what? Light. It means that in this year that we've come into, one of the things that God is going to do, there are different dimensions of light, right? But one of the things that is going to happen is that God is going to give clarity and God is going to give direction to people. Tell you what to do, when to do, how to do. But you see, regardless of what he's told you, if you do not take a step, nothing is going to happen. You know, we would not all be seated here today if pastor never decided to come to Lagos to pastor. Think about it. That bias for action. That bias for action. In the book of Deuteronomy chapter 2, and I think verse 24, you know, at a point, God, Moses looked at the children of Israel and God spoke to him and said, see, 
rise ye up. Take up your journey. He says, and pass over the river Anon. Behold, I have given. Now, this is God speaking. I have given you. I've given you the king of Sion, the Amorites, the king of Heshbon. I've given you his land. Begin to possess it and contend with him in battle. But you see, if you do not rise up, what God has given you, you would never take possession of. And that's why Isaiah 60 starts with what? Arise. Because it is okay to be a light. And yes, we are light. But you see, light does not good, not shining. So you are light, yes. Oh, glory to God as we rejoice in that revelation. Brothers and sisters, let's go out there to shine. And how do we shine? He says, arise, shine. You can never shine if you do not arise. It means taking steps as inspired by the Holy Spirit. Very important. As God begins to open your eyes, what is that thing that you've been planning to do for many years? Since this is the year to do it. <laughs> Who is that sister you've been eyeing? This is the time to go and talk to the sister. <laughs> and well, the worst, the worst that can happen. You'll say, she'll say no. And then you go somewhere else. At least you now know what the answer is. <laughs> Praise God. The goal of hearing is to do. In the book of James chapter 1. And I begin to close. James chapter 1, verse 21. James, Dr. James, begin to tell us something very interesting. Talking about the word of God, he says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, <laughs> and receive with meekness. Now, this, this verse is deep. You know what he's saying? that the reason why a lot of times people do not receive God's word is because of naughtiness. Holding on to that thing that you've already known. It's not working for you, but you hold on to it. And I, I don't know if you've seen people like that. Say, God can deliver. Eh? He can deliver. I've heard. But everything the person is doing is, is the opposite of what they are saying. Superfluity of nothing, receive with meekness the engrafted word of God, which is able to save your soul. The first thing that the word of God will do in your life is to change your philosophy about life. You begin to think like God. And until you think like God, you can't do the things God will do. Verse 20, 22 rather. He says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your, you know, when someone is deceiving someone else, it is terrible. But when you are deceiving yourself, <laughs> that's the most terrible part. I mean, deceiving your own selves. Then verse 23, it begins to explain what it means. It says, for if a man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, is like someone who is building his natural face in a glass. Verse 24, he says, and this person goeth away. And straight away forget it, what manner of person he or she is. You see, because as you begin to expose yourself to God, it begins to show you who you are. Amen. It begins to show you who you are. Now, as you see who you are, it does not end there. Verse 25. But whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continue therein, he be not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. 
This man shall be blessed in his deed. The blessing is in the doing. So yes, the word of God exposes you to who you are. And that is powerful. Because your mentality of who you are defines how you would act. Now imagine, I mean, I heard many years ago, many years ago about the story of the current king of England, King Charles. He was still a prince then. He said he went somewhere with some people, you know, in, in a ceremony. And as he stood, you know, there was this bull. Uh, do you know what a bull is? I mean, you know, those of you in Lagos, you, you might not know the kind of bull. If you grew up in the north, <laughs> where they grew, you know, those big red bull. They call them red bororo. You don't know. Bull, yeah, right? Was there, and this particular bull, for one, no particular reason, just decided to charge directly at the prince. It is said that, you know, everybody was running, hey, hey, hey. But Prince Charles just stood, was looking at the bull very calmly. Why? Because they have trained this man right from, his, from when he was born. That you see, you are a, you see, you are not yet the king, but you are a king. You are royalty. Royalties don't run. I mean, what? I mean, everything is subject to you as royalty. So he just stood there. And he said, the bull charged, charged, charged. And for the first time, the bull came close, just looked, and just turned and walked away. And everybody thought it was a miracle. <laughs> but this man knew he was, right? Well, if you don't know who you are, don't try it. But, <laughs> right? I don't know how many of us, have you seen those, have dogs chased you before? <laughs> there was <laughs> a very dear sister of mine told me <laughs> about... <laughs> She said, you know, she went to visit a friend <laughs> and when she entered into the house, you know those type of houses that the fence, the gate is very far away from the main house. So you'd have to walk, you know. So she said, she knocked, knocked, nobody came. So she opened the gate and saw nobody. Okay, she locked the gate and decided to walk. So as she was walking, <laughs> when she had gotten like to the center, of <laughs> she said this dog just stood up that hey it was the biggest dog she had ever seen in her life <laughs> so she said as she stood there immediately she calculated everything you know like um, Sherlock Holmes <laughs> that was the probability if this happens or <laughs> or equalizer <laughs> that this is say okay if I turn back by the time I turn, it will take me how many degrees will I turn? <laughs> how many steps would I take by the time say, ah, this dog will catch me? Say, okay, if I go this direction, is it going to say this dog? She said she just why she just stood that she was looking at the dog. The dog started walking towards her. <laughs> she said, you know what she did? <laughs> she said, not tell that, please. <laughs> she said, please. <laughs> Say please, you know. He said, "Say please." This, he said, and amazingly, the dog came close, just sniffed the hair, and all that. The dog turned, and the dog said, that "Before the dog said, he said she didn't know how she was outside. Oh, it was one of our." One of our pastors in fellowship in school told us, she's a vet student, right? <laughs> she told us, 
you know, as part of their practicals, you go, they take them into this UI zoo, University of Ibadan, the zoo, <laughs> and they take care of, you know, lions and all of that. So what they do typically is that they will shoot the lion with a tranquilizer. So the lion will fall asleep. They will now bring the students into the cage and now show them this is the leg, this is so, and all of that. <laughs> oh, Pastor Tyre. <laughs> so she said that, that this particular day, they had shot the lion. <laughs> of course, the lion had fallen. They said, okay, this is the script. This was supposed to happen. <laughs> so they entered into the cage. Yes, this was supposed to happen. Then, so the lecturer got a stool <laughs> and sat down the stool. The lion was lying. <laughs> and the students were all standing beside, behind. And then the lecturer starts. So, um, what I've been telling you, you're all afraid? Don't be afraid, don't be afraid. Like just a lion. <laughs> Since the lion stood up. Pastor, you know, Pastor, you then. She said, she said, the next thing they all knew was that. All the students they were outside the first. <laughs> all they heard was that. So this lion stood up and was dizzy. <laughs> then all they heard the lecturer say was, Well, it's okay. If this is to end, it's okay. <laughs> and the lion they said, Of course, the lion was, you know. <laughs> and the lion then fell back again. Bah. My people, class finished. <laughs> <laughs> I will teach you another day. You know? <laughs> so, of course, <laughs> so we used to joke about it that maybe somebody went to pour water into the drunk. <laughs> so, it diluted it. <laughs> so, but you know, the lion woke up, I was dizzy. You know, and the lion fell back and slept. <laughs> you know? So, that's where the class ended. <laughs> All of them went. That's why the lecturer came out. Said they were all looking at the lecturer. That the lecturer did said he's just carrying this man. <laughs> Lord, the Lord has delivered me today. <laughs> so, oh my God! Praise God! <laughs> Praise God! <laughs> oh dear, dear, dear! <laughs> all right. So what was I saying? <laughs> so it's knowing who you are, right? The word of God, that's one of the first things it does. It exposes you to who you are. So you know, you're not afraid of the things that the people of the world are afraid of. Right? But the second thing, which is the purpose and the goal of the world coming to you, is for you to act. To do something. To act. And there is where a lot of people make a shipwreck, in quotes, of what they've heard from God's word. For example, you know, between late last year and this year, we prayed 40 days in church, isn't it? Right? Isn't it? Now, we've heard, I mean, and in those 40 days, a lot of powerful words. And Pastor Bele was just saying some of those things while we were in the office speaking with Pastor Abby. You know, that we had this 40 days and it's powerful. But you know, there were certain instructions that came to us about things like, for example, using all the, the, the spiritual capital that we've generated, going to use it. 
You know, God did a lot of powerful things. Gave us nations of the earth. You remember? Well, for those of you that came, if you didn't come, don't worry. Don't just, just act. Look at me straight. Just say, yeah, <laughs> who know? <laughs> right? God gave us lots of promises. There was a time we were led to just pray over the nations of the earth, and we possessed it. Possessed our building, possessed properties, possessed wealth, possessed. There were lots of things that God gave us. But you know, saints, the truth is that there is always a pathway to all of those things God told us. And that pathway would always include us doing certain things. For example, one of the things pastor has been talking about is what God is doing in the household of David now is the what? Households, the tribes, right? Tribe meetings, Saturday evening, 5 p.m. Saints, if you want to see all of those wonderful things, get involved. When we're announcing the tribes meeting and all of that, we usually say get involved. It's not cliche. It's not just saying something so that people get excited. It is the pathway to experience the blessing that comes with obedience. Get involved. Go out, win souls, be part of the meetings. You see, to show how important it is, one of the things God has told us through our pastor is, you know what, Saturday mornings, victory hour, I, I, I usually tell people, it's not as though we've cancelled victory hour. Somebody said, are we cancelled victory hour? I said, no, 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 we've not cancelled. <laughs> you know, people like, we've cancelled. We've not cancelled it. What has happened is that technically the timing has changed. Go to your tribe and pray. Go to your tribe and win souls. Reach out to the community. You'll be amazed at how much miracles God would do through your hands as you go out. Somebody pray, Lord, baptize me with the anointing to heal the sick. Saints, thank God for that prayer. And you know, the answer is already in the word. He says what? He says what? What does the Bible say? Huh? This sign shall what? Follow them that believe. So is as you go. The signs would come follow. So go to the hospital. Go and pray. Go to the community. You see somebody say, lay hands on the person. That is how the signs will follow. It follows. You know, pastors use that analogy a lot of times. You won't say I'm following someone if I'm just standing behind. The person is moving, then I'm following. If you are not moving, nothing is going to happen. Saints, what is happening in the household of David is a movement. It's a movement and it requires us to be moving. Doing the word is not an option. It is the only way to experience the blessing. Doing the word. For example, somebody says, you know, um, um, you, you, know you, you want to be in the secret service. You come to church. You're not part of any unit. You're not part of it. You, I mean, you just want to come. They ask you why. You know, I say, ah, no, in church. No, no, no. Say, I'm so busy at work. It's okay. I understand that. But you see, the truth of the matter is that if you look at the way the household of David has been structured, there is room to serve in, a, in different capacities. You know what the Bible says in Exodus 23, verse 25? I want us to read it. Exodus 23, 25. Exodus 23, 25 says, And ye shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless thy bread and thy water, and he will take sickness away from the midst of thee. Do you know how many times 
I've been feeling somehow in my body. Then I tell myself, Joshua, you know what? Um, you are serving God. And you see, the word serve there is not a passive word. It's being useful for the kingdom. That's what it means, right? So I go into service. There is hardly any unit I've not served in. If you start counting from my secondary school days, I've been in prayer, I've done ushering, I've done protocol, I've done information, I've done media, even though the media I did was, I've done, sha. so you know, I've done different. And it's always paid because sometimes I look at this and I say, you know what, God, I'm serving you. There are certain things that must be foreign to my life. He says, it will take sickness. This is a commitment away from the midst of the verse 26. He says, there shall nothing cast their young nor be barren. <sighs> In thy land, the number of your days you will fulfill. This is why I know I can't die young. God knows what he will miss if I go. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. Verse 27. He says, I will send my fear. This is God. Say, ah. Don't worry, I will send my fear before thee and will destroy all the people to whom thou shalt come. And I'll make all thine enemies turn their backs unto thee. Meaning that service opens certain doors. You, do you remember Ezekiah? Isaiah, number one prophet, walked up to Ezekiah, said, Ezekiah, you are going to die. And Ezekiah said, eh, okay. And he turned back and he said, God, if you read that, I think it's Isaiah 30 something, I, I can't remember now. He looked back and said, God, see the way I have been serving you. Ah! Before Isaiah reached his house, God said, eh, Isaiah, eh, you know what? I, the Lord, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, somebody said that. He said, I, the Lord, I'm sorry. <laughs> there was a lady that was prophesied in the fellowship. He said, oh, and I heard it from one of our senior friends. He said, oh. He says, um, as I was with, you know, um, I've forgotten how to say it. I was with Joshua. In, no, he said, um, no, I was, was with Elijah in the wilderness. Was, uh, no, it's, Mo, it's supposed to be Moses. So I, the Lord, I'm sorry. So <laughs> they now gave the real prophecy. Huh? <laughs> he said, no, 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 no. He said, Isaiah, go back. Go and tell him that I've added 15 more years to his life. He only reminded God of service. Since that was old covenant too. Do you know the things you can leverage? You're in the choir. You're singing every day. Spend hours. Do you leverage these things? And say, God, you know, service is you are doing the word by serving. Do you understand what I'm saying? When you give Sunday offering, let's just say, what do we have? Some of us are even still giving God old notes. For notes. When you and I know that it is no more functional. <laughs> Paper, all the old notes we packed in the house. Go back, give God, give God. Say, offering, fat envelope, old notes. <laughs> you know? Are you doing the word? I just came here this evening to tell us that you see, God's word has gone forth in different versions through his scriptures, from the, his servant's mouth, during the conference. And his word is still going forth. Because this is a ministry that we don't lack the word. As you sit down to pray, God will tell you things. The secret to experiencing the blessings of all of those things is by doing it. Allow that all the words you hear shape your philosophy. Good. But don't stop there. Do something. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. 
He says, but thou shalt meditate therein, what? They are now that thou mayest observe to what? To do. That is the thing. To do according to all that is written therein. That is why you are meditating on it. That is why you are confessing it. To do. And if you do, what would follow? Saints, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and thou shalt have good success. Success is becoming all that God has created you to become. Do the word. Say, I will do the word. Can you say, I will do the word? I will stop complaining. I will just act on the word. I will stop murmuring. I will just act on the word. I will stop looking for ways to do things shorter. I will just act on the word. And I will receive the blessings of that. In the precious name of Jesus. Have you been blessed tonight? Can we rise up on our feet please? <laughs> Hallelujah. Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask and you would receive. The Bible didn't say complain. So don't complain about your job. Complain about this. Complain about it. It's okay. You've complained enough. You've worried enough. He says, ask. This is God. Ask. <laughs> ask. I perceive this evening that we should ask. So can you just bow down your heads? Is there something that you desire very strongly? We're going to act on the word. Is there something you deserve very strongly for it to happen? In your life, in your family, in your ministry, in your job, in your finances, anything. We're just going to act on that word this evening. The Bible says, ask and you shall be given you. It says, seek and you shall find, knock and the door shall be opened unto you. Verse 8 says, everyone that asketh, receiveth. <laughs> so let's just ask ask. I mean, I and my wife, we've practiced this many times. My lovely wife, times we hold hands and we say, we want this, this thing, we just, we ask. <laughs> and I'm telling you, every time we've asked, God has always brought it to us. Or opened our eyes on what to do to get it. I want you to ask. Can you speak to God? It's you and God. Just felt led that we should do that very quickly. I don't, don't matter if it's something you've been asking for before. There is a particular grace in this service this evening to receive. So just ask. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be your name. Lord, we've acted on your word. You said we should ask and we would receive. Lord, so we receive. And because we receive, we rejoice. And thank you for it. Can someone rejoice in the house? Rejoice because you've received it. Hallelujah. I mean, whatever it is. A car, a house, a job, visa. I know, yeah, yeah. Ask, you've received it. Can you just celebrate Jesus in the house this evening? Hallelujah. Thank you for being a part of our broadcast. 
You know, we never like to end without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Coming into Christ is beyond joining a church, is beyond a religion. It is joining God's family. And that is done when you believe in Christ Jesus. So I just want to lead you right away now. If you are, if you want to give your heart to Christ, just say after me, say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died and rose again and that you paid for my sins. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. And from today, I belong to you. If you have said those words, will be late. You are born again. You are part of God's family right now. You can go ahead and rejoice about it. God bless you. We love you. Stay blessed.